Welcome back to CFO Weekly, where we're talking with financial leaders about how to build efficiency in their teams, create time for strategy, and ultimately get results with your host, Megan Weiss. Let's jump right in. Today's guest is Kristen McAllister. Kristen is co-owner of Serious Executives. She has spent most of her career helping companies establish and improve their infrastructure for high growth. She has grown companies and created optimal infrastructure from both an operational and client management perspective. Kristen has spent the last 10 years teaching companies how to leverage executives for transitional situations such as high growth and turnarounds. She is a national speaker and is published on topics ranging from operations and productivity to talent management and contingent workforce. Kristen is a mother, Ironman, and Marine wife. Kristen has also co-authored two books, The New Executive Search, How Smart Companies Are Using Interim Executives, and How I Fired My Boss and Made More Money. Hello, Kristen, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much, Megan. Yeah, today we'll be discussing the emerging trends within the contract to hire space and what a career as an interim CFO might look like, as well as some of the benefits of that model for both employers and employees. I'm really looking forward to this discussion, so let's get started. I'm excited to. First, tell me about your career progression. How did you get to where you are today? <laughs> a whole lot of zigs and zags. If someone had told me that I would be owning an interim executive firm 20 years ago, the first thing I'd ask is, what's an interim executive? <laughs> I really, if I'm going to own a company that does that, I really need to know what it is. I spent the first 15 of my years in retail, and then 2008 hit. You've heard the story over and over again. I was laid off and found my way into interim executive work and eventually co-owning serious executives. Uh, yeah, always funny how things happen, usually for a reason, even though we might not be able to see it when it does happen. It really goes to show with, you know, with be open to all opportunities and the progression of the careers that are out there from one decade to the next and how many are created simply out of economic times or other influences. So are there any particular stories or moves that stand out in your mind as turning points within your career? It would definitely be the 2008. So when I was laid off, I just, I couldn't decide what to do. I'd been in a, the same job for 15 years. And so I was interviewing individuals. I started to do consulting, stumbled onto it, was brought in by a couple of individuals I know. And I loved it right up until the time where they say, got it, you helped us find the answer and now we're gonna go implement it. And they waved me goodbye. And month after month, the CEO would call and say, we've got this issue again. Say, what did we discuss? Pull out the book. <laughs> we, know what, we know how to solve this issue. Oh yeah. And I became very disillusioned and frustrated with consulting or at least the way I was doing it because what companies needed was not someone to tell them what to do or what the answer was. They needed someone to come in and help. They needed someone to offload that from their desks. And that's how I eventually ended up meeting my now business partner, Pamela Wasley. So tell me a little bit about serious executives. What does your firm do? In the simplest form, think of us as a matchmaker. We work with companies and leadership teams to match them with the help that they need, whether it's on an interim, fractional, or project basis, director, VP, and C-suite. So we help them on a contract basis or contract to hire. 
So specifically looking at the accounting profession, how do you think that it's evolved over the last 10 to 15 years and what new skill sets are needed? It's evolved quite a bit. Even from year to year, the types of requests that we're getting for interim or fractional CFOs or controllers is changing greatly. You look at 10, 15 years ago, companies had very large accounting departments and a little bit of finance was in there. They didn't need a CFO in their minds until they were maybe 50 to 100 million. That has shifted quite a bit and they're seeing the role of finance as far more strategic. Companies that are now bringing in finance help and a CFO when they're two and three million, not when they're getting to 20, 30, 50 million. So the strategic nature has shifted and more and more accounting, they're finding accounting partners kind of like yourselves. Uh, if it's not supporting our core competency and how we deliver service to our customers, we're gonna outsource it. And that allows them and frees them up to be more strategic partners with the leadership team and the CEO and the board versus a large department that sometimes can end up causing more, more issues or cogging the wheel and taking away from the strategic focus. Yeah, I, I like to kind of research this topic and I read more and more that CFOs are actually transitioning into CEO roles eventually, which is definitely a, a change from years ago. Yep. It used to be that it was the sales and marketing route and that's how you ended up CEO. But that is another big shift we're seeing as the CFO is the path to the CEO seat. So tell us what you're seeing across your client base. What are the emerging trends? Oh, goodness, Megan. This is going to be no surprise, and I'm sure anyone listening can answer this question, and that is technology. Yeah. Particularly as things are going virtual, the nature of it, and everything needs to be more integrated. Finance is the hub and spoke of anything and everything that happens in a company, and the amount of information that needs to flow in and out of there is from all points. So more and more we're seeing technologies and integrations happen with systems to allow that to happen, whether it's ERP or homegrown systems. They're becoming very technologically oriented. We just had a couple of assignments where we placed an interim CFO. Just to do that, the company had bought a NetSuite or had bought a system and hadn't done it all, they were just still doing the AP and the AR and the basics. They weren't using the full capabilities of what they bought. I think that happens quite a bit. They don't, they don't really know how to use what they've purchased. <laughs> I'm sure my husband can say that about many things that I've purchased. <laughs> we all do it, right? Um, you mentioned the last time we spoke that you're seeing a lot of movement right now at the leadership level, particularly in finance and accounting. So why do you think this is? All of the pivots and the strategic changes that are happening, anytime change happens, talent is going to change, including at the leadership level. And we're seeing it from both perspectives. So a CEO looks at it and says, I can't be the CFO anymore. Why in the world was I spending all this time doing the PPP submittals? I should have had someone else doing it. And so they're bringing on more leadership or they may be changing the strategy and the leadership that's there, including the CFO, we say, this isn't in my wheelhouse or I disagree with you. 
I think we should be going in this direction. And they decide to make a change. There's a lot of consolidation and M&A happening. And anytime you look at a CFO's resume, and especially the last 10 to 15 years, their resume will be two years here, three years bad. And it's not because they can't hold a job down. Companies keep getting sold. And they're very successful at helping those companies to, to be sold or merged into another. And that they only need one CFO. And usually it's the company that's being acquired who doesn't stay. Yeah. So basically they've worked themselves right out of a job. I, exactly. And any number of movements, you look at the, even the, the mid-level added controllers where CFOs, as they're being brought in to be more strategic, they need that right hand. And that right hand isn't the two people who are acting more as staff accountants. Mm-hmm. They need that controller mm-hmm. to do more of the heavy lifting for them. So talk to us about what a career looks like as an interim or fractional CFO. As an interim, we get asked this, what's the difference between consultant, interim, fractional? Uh, I always say that there's probably more words to describe how an executive can step into a company than there are words for water in the Hawaiian language. Interim, think of this more as a temporary basis. And if I'm a CFO and I'm thinking, I want to go be an interim CFO, what you're doing is stepping in for periods of time. So you may work three to six months on one assignment and then three months on another and then be off for three months. Or you may decide, I just want to work six months out of the year. I'm going to look for gigs that just need me for six to nine months. And then I'll take some time off to then look for my next assignment. On a fractional basis, if I'm building up a fractional CFO career business, I want to find two to four clients who need me ongoing. These are firms that are 2 million to 20 million. They only need me one to two days a week or once a month. And I'm probably going to be with them for years to come. And that's my, I'm working year round and that's my consistent book of business. So what are the business challenges that an interim and fractional CFO can solve for? I like to say, what can't they solve, right? They, they're wonder workers. They can do anything. I, when we talk to CEOs about the strategic partnership with the CFO, we always say the CFOs are looking forward. They are your crystal ball. Anything you can't see, decisions you're not sure of, things that aren't working right in the company and you don't know why, they are the keepers of the story. Their financials will tell you what's happening and they're going to tell you what's ahead. So just about anything that falls within that and the challenges are coming up in companies, the CFO is going to help them through that. We often will get a a company calling and saying, we need a COO, our operations are not efficient. And I'll ask, who, who do you have in your finance and accounting? And I'll say, well, I've got Joe and he's been with us since we were five employees. We have to put someone in a CFO in first because the first thing the operations expert is gonna ask, let me see the numbers. And nine out of 10 times, the information isn't there because finance and accounting is the keeper of it and the driver of it. So those are, those are some of the first things that we tackle is where are the numbers, what's the story being told, and then what do we need to do about it? You might have touched on this in the, in the previous two questions, but what are the benefits of this kind of model for both employer and employee? That's a, that's a great one. The, 
Looking at it from an executive's perspective, and I'll speak specifically to the CFO here. If I'm a CFO, I just, I've decided to leave or the company was just sold and I want to go into my next role. I want one that I know what's I know what's in the closet. I know where the bones are buried. I'm not sure if this is the role because it goes on my resume. Once it's on my resume, I'm judged by it. And I'm judged by the company I keep. I want to do a trial run first. Let me go in on a contract basis. Let me do a few projects. Let me look under the hood, get to know the team, and then decide if this is the right thing for me longer term. Very much the same on the flip side. As an employer, look at how much it costs me. And right now, the time alone, I can't make, I don't have time to make a bad hire. And not that I'm choosing the wrong person. I may not have the right goals for them or objectives or what I want accomplished, especially if it's the first time I'm bringing in a CFO and we're seeing a lot of that right now. Let's figure all that first, create the description, the profile, and see what we need by bringing in someone to work with us on that and doing the job while while we're doing that. So we're kind of we're working on the bus while it's moving down the highway. And if it works out, then you have all of you have eyes wide open and all the information in order to decide now what do we want this relationship to look like longer term. Yeah, I was just going to say it's so important to find a good fit, whether you're looking at your employer or an employer is looking at an employee. Yeah, especially at that level. Exactly. And we've all been doing this for probably hundreds of years, I would say, and that is dating. Most of us dated before we decided to commit to either be engaged or get married. Draw the parallels. You get to date first in this new age. And when you look at uh, the talent that's available and companies being far more open to have different flexible models, talent models, you get the opportunity to date before making a longer term commitment. So what should companies be looking for in a contract to hire recruiting partners such as yourselves? Whether I'm the CEO or the CFO, you know, and CFOs are bringing in controllers quite a bit on a contract to hire basis. Look for someone who, or a company who really understands what your need is and what you want to accomplish versus a job description. A job description is looking backwards Understanding your needs and building out, here's what we want to accomplish over the next year or two, and someone who's accomplished this before, looking beyond the resume and really getting to know the talent that they're putting in front of you first. Ask questions such as, what is their vetting process? How well do they know these executives? Or did they just find a resume that matched up to the job description and forward it over to you, and you've got to then do the due diligence? It depends on how much of that you want to do versus you want the firm to do. So to those in our audience who might be considering a change in careers, how can they best sell themselves for their next opportunity? I always love talking about this topic and I will do my best to be succinct about it because otherwise I could go on for hours. And that is one of the great things about being in finance is your accomplishments are very measured. You know, all of the numbers. So when you know, selling yourself and we're, we are all terrible at this. Talk about what the accomplishments are. What did you help that last company do go from X to Y? What are some of the things that you changed out? Because you're so much more than what your roles and responsibilities are. Talk about the impact that you made. And in a way, 
that a company can understand it in terms of their challenges and what they need fixed. And that would be the number one thing to talk about because as a, a potential employer, I can relate to that far more than understanding the, what you were simply responsible for. I want to know the impact you made because I'm bringing you on as my strategic partner. Yeah, that's great advice. And you're right. I mean, the numbers are there. So I guess just put things in a fact-based context. And you really know just from any number of things as CFOs or controllers and stepping in, the impact that we're making from helping to decrease overtime by 50%, changing out the benefits program to you, you may be saving at least 25%, if not more. There's any number of places where you're helping the company save money as well as building out a forecast so that they can better plan on when they need to purchase what or hire who or who they need to hire when, and they're not behind the gun every time. All of those things are great accomplishments to be pointing out. So um, like you mentioned at the beginning that you didn't, uh, that you hadn't really heard of an interim executive. Um, I hadn't either until maybe five years ago heard of an interim or fractional CFO. So what are some other career options that, that people might not be considering, but should be? Really, the sky is the limit right now when you, as a CFO or a highly experienced controller, you can do anything from put your resume out there and get hired into the next job to the contract to hire basis, do some project-based, to sitting on boards, being an advisor, simply being a board advisor or a CEO advisor to multiple different companies. Stepping back, interim basis, fractional basis, you know, being part of a, a team on a consulting management project, the sky is the limit. Really stop and think about what do I want? What type of structure? What type of flexibility? What type of compensation at the end of the year? How do I want my rates to be? And then how much do I need to work? and work and start backwards, just as you would advise any CEO to say, when you start a company, start with the end in mind. What do you want to do with it in the end? Do the same thing when looking at your career choices and what option is best for you. And I imagine that with many companies considering um, remaining remote for the long term, that opens up even more opportunities around the world for people. Absolutely. I was just talking with and conversing with a CFO of a very large $500 million company and want to move to the Northeast. That just wasn't going to be possible anytime in the near future. And he can now, uh, they're looking at doing remote staying with the current company, or he's looking at being remote where he lives and joining a company in the Northeast and being remote for the first couple of months before moving his family. You're right, the virtual nature of things, it's a big opportunity to make a shift, which on the flip side, it's also a big opportunity for your teams and your employees to make shifts. That's true. So as an aside, how has COVID changed? Um, How has COVID changed things? It has impacted it from our standpoint, Where we used to be 5% of our assignments could be virtual, 95% were on site. 
we're a minimum of 75% virtual now with 25% on-site. And the only on-sites are really the manufacturing firms. Wow, that's crazy. What a shift. It has adjusted it greatly. And when you look at an interim or fractional individuals, you don't, you don't need them for two to three years. So you don't need to figure out, well, when are we going to bring people back? Or is it going to be a hybrid? You have a pretty good idea what you're doing in the next six months and can decide whether they need to be on-site virtual or hybrid. So um, accountants are always highly in demand. How can employers attract top talent in such a tight job market? Number one thing we always tell them is culture. Right now, culture is attracting talent more than anything, and it's also losing talent more than anything. You get the culture right, and the rest will fall into place. When you are putting a, a job post out there, when you're talking to potential candidates, lead with the culture. Yeah, that's yep. great advice. People want to love where they work. Obviously, we spend a lot of time there. We spend more time than we do with our families. You're yeah. absolutely right. And we know that culture guides the decisions. It guides the principles. It guides the day in and day out and affects how I do my work. So let me know what the culture is like first, and that will help me make a far more informative decision versus the comp package that's put in front of me. And we're seeing a lot of talent out there saying, talk to me about the company and the culture first, and then we'll see how flexible I am on my payer rates. Yeah, I think that's especially true of younger generations uh, looking for flexibility and meaningful work and things that, you know, maybe older generations weren't interested in. Yes, more, more than ever. That's and that's a whole other topic and yep. <laughs> multi-generational because we're seeing used to be the millennials and how do we how do we keep them because they're they're not that focused on longevity in a career. And now I'm having businesses talk to me and talk to CFO the other day who said, I just hired someone right out of college. And one of the first things she asked me is what's my career path? Because I, I just got done having a conversation where someone said, where someone said, yeah, I'm looking at resumes where they're jumping, jumping jobs every six to 12 months. And then I have someone new saying, what's my career path? I'm not used to having that conversation. It's a, it's a tough world to be managing right now. Yeah, I'm sure. It's funny how uh, things can be so different between one generation to the next. Absolutely. Kristen, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. This is always, always fun and making an absolute delight talking through this with you. Yeah, I've enjoyed speaking with you and hearing your advice on how to build an interim career and how companies can best leverage interim executives. To all of our listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this episode as well. Please tune in next week. And until then, take care of yourselves. If you're ready to boost efficiency and streamline your accounting processes at significant cost savings, it's time to talk with Personif. Their people-powered solutions have transformed the delivery of back office tasks and general accounting functions for decades, partnering with clients to provide everything from accounts payable to payroll services. See what Personif can do for you by visiting personif.com. You've been listening to CFO Weekly presented by Personif. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to hear all of our episodes. Want to learn more? Check out personif.com. Thanks for listening.